It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Friday, March 19th, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the latest NPR News headlines, we'll have the California Report from KQED Public Radio with an update on congressional action on assistance for immigrants. You'll also get a chance to learn about the customs of the Persian New Year, which begins Saturday. After a roundup of weekend cultural news and regional weather, Keith Porter speaks to Naomi Cabral of the Interfaith Food Ministry about food insecurity in Nevada County. For their generous support of KVMR, we thank Automotive City, family-owned and operated, offering complete automotive service for foreign and domestic vehicles, also smog testing. Napa Auto Care Center and AAA-approved facility, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, AutomotiveCityGrassValley.com. Here are the latest headlines from National Public Radio. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. President Biden's top diplomat and national security advisor says they had tough and direct talks with their Chinese counterparts. NPR's Michelle Kalman reports on what appears to have been a difficult start for relations. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says he knew going into the talks in Alaska that the U.S. and China have fundamentally different views on topics ranging from human rights to cybersecurity. When we raised those issues... Clearly and directly, uh, we got a defensive response. But we were also able to have a very candid uh, conversation over these many hours uh, on an expansive agenda. He says they discussed Iran, North Korea, Afghanistan, and climate change, where U.S. and Chinese interests intersect. Chinese officials publicly traded barbs with Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan at the start of the talks Thursday. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, Washington. As announced yesterday by President Biden, his administration has cleared the key goal of getting 100 million coronavirus shots into people's arms more than a month ahead of schedule. Biden had laid that out as a goal for his first 100 days in office, but in fact reached it on day 58. Roughly 2.5 million shots a day are now being given. As the pace of vaccinations picks up, Biden has floated a new goal, 200 million shots in his first 100 days, but has not formally announced that target yet. Another woman has come forward with sexual misconduct allegations involving New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. As NPR's Sally Herships reports, she's at least the eighth woman to allege Cuomo acted inappropriately and the first current employee to share her name publicly. According to a report in The New York Times, 33-year-old Alyssa McGrath says while working for the governor over the past three years, she was repeatedly subjected to inappropriate behavior. The Times says Cuomo told McGrath she was beautiful and asked about her pending divorce. At one point, she told The Times, when called into Cuomo's office to take dictation, quote, he was blatantly looking down my shirt. The governor's office did not immediately respond to a request for comment, but he's repeatedly said he's never consciously made anyone uncomfortable. McGrath's lawyer, Marianne Wong, confirmed the story with NPR via email. She wrote, the governor's deflections are not credible. This was not just friendly banter. Sally Herships, NPR News. 
More charges against members of the group The Proud Boys in connection with the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. Four men described by prosecutors as leaders of the far-right group have now been indicted on charges they planned and carried out a coordinated attack seeking to prevent Congress from certifying President Joe Biden's election victory. According to a federal indictment unsealed today, new evidence was presented to back up the charges. That includes more than 60 people using an encrypted messaging channel to communicate when they joined the mob that attacked the Capitol. On Wall Street today, the Dow was down 400, uh, 234 points. This is NPR. The publisher of a couple of the large London tabloids says even after all coronavirus restrictions are lifted, some employees will be permitted to continue working from home. The publisher that owns the Daily Mirror, the Daily Express and the Daily Star, saying it plans to increase working from home as part of its post-lockdown arrangements. The publisher of the paper says it intends to move to a hub-based model with 15 large offices in major cities of the UK and Ireland. Fewer than half of the troops in some U.S. military units are agreeing to get vaccinated, so commanders have begun fighting a pitched battle against misinformation and vaccine hesitancy. Jay Price of member station WUNC in North Carolina has more. The problem is especially acute among younger troops getting misinformation and disinformation on social media. So at Fort Bragg, the nation's largest army base by population, public health experts have started an aggressive social media campaign targeting specific reasons soldiers cite for not getting vaccinated. They say they're also having success using medics, who soldiers already trust with their lives, to push out the facts. Commanders say they're starting to see modest gains from these efforts and also from troops being influenced by soldiers who have already gotten their shots and suffered no ill effects. For NPR News, I'm Jay Price at Fort Bragg. While many retailers have struggled during the coronavirus pandemic, apparently that's not the case for Maine-based L.L. Bean, the company famous for its line of jackets and winter boots, saying it started the fiscal year with store closings and concerns about survival, but ended the year with revenue growth of 5%. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. House legislators passed two immigration bills yesterday that would provide a pathway to citizenship for so-called dreamers and farm workers. The California Report Central Valley reporter Alex Hall has more. The Farm Workforce Modernization Act would allow those who have worked in agriculture at least six months over the past two years to apply for a work permit. After another four years in agriculture, many would be eligible for a green card. The bill also seeks to improve the H-2A visa program for agricultural guest workers. After the vote yesterday, Democratic Representative Zoe Lofgren pointed out that while it's been a hard year, farm workers ensured the food supply was reliable. Even in the worst part of the pandemic, you could go into the grocery store and food was there. And we owe our farmers and our farm workers of America for for that. We owe them our thanks and we owe them this bill. The House also passed the American Dream and Promise Act Thursday. That legislation would grant not just dreamers, but also immigrants with temporary protected status, a path to citizenship. Both bills will now go on to the Senate, where each will need Republican support to become law. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. 
Saturday marks the start of the Persian New Year, Nowruz. KQED's Kiana Mohadam put together a beautiful explainer of Nowruz that's being posted this morning on the California Report podcast. Here's Kiana. The holiday starts on the spring equinox, and it's celebrated all over the world. It's rooted in Zoroastrian traditions and dates back some 3,000 years ago. People clean their homes, buy new shoes, set up a small table with seven items, all starting with the letter S. It's called a half-seen. And eat giant meals full of fish, rice, and fresh herbs. It's a time for celebrating with family and friends. Nowruz is a big deal for us Persians living here in California, and it's a holiday we love to share with our American friends. But that's been hard during the pandemic. So Amir Razavi and Persis Karim teamed up to show anyone how to make the traditional Nowruz spread. Amir owns Berkeley's Middle East Market. Persis chairs San Francisco State Center for Iranian Diaspora Studies. And this year, they created a flyer with everything you need to know about Nowruz at Amir's shop. I think this is a great opportunity for us to connect as a community and celebrate the cycle of, you know, the spring passing and new beginnings in their lives. And for that, um, it's a big symbol just for the community and for people that are non-Persian. They still come in and they get that energy and they take it and they're so interested in all of the different things we do during the celebration, you know, the food, the different events we have, why we have them. Yeah, well, here's a funny story. My son, who's 18, works here. And since he started working here last fall, he's become very curious and interested in Iranian culture. And mind you, I'm half Iranian and he's a quarter Iranian. And um, some of the experiences of growing up inside the Iranian community were more remote for him than they even were for me. He took it on. He said, Mom, you write up the stuff. I'm going to do the layout of this. And I think what was so interesting was he was like, Mom, you got it wrong. You know, there's these seven things have to be on the table (laughs) because there is some variation. Yeah, he was adamant about it, right? I think for him, it's also like he's begun to embrace that idea that like, his heritage is important to him and also because he works here now he's been exposed to a lot of things and he's coming to it on his own terms my thanks to amir razavi and persis karim the center for iranian diaspora studies and the diaspora arts connection are presenting a noru's spring broadcast tonight at six details are on my twitter feed i am at lily jamali support for the california report comes from california Healthcare foundation ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care. On the web at chcf.org voices. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2022 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. And now a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, they're bringing us a documentary about one woman's struggle with mental illness in rural Siskiyou County. Sometimes your mind plays tricks on you and you do things. It's so deceiving. I didn't trust my mind for a long time. That's Marlene Baker. She's in her late 50s and has lived with mental illness for years, cycling through jail and back out onto the streets. You don't get no sleep at night. 
because there's mountain lions walking through downtown Mount Shasta in the middle of the night. There's bears. Her story shows the challenges of the mental health system in rural counties where there are no mental hospitals and limited jail space. But Siskiyou County does have a public defender, Lael Kafitz, who really went to bat for Baker. The judges call me the crazy whisperer, which is a terrible phrase, but I have an ability to talk with people that have florid mental illness. And I think part of it is because I, I talk with them and not to them. Kay Fitz and others teamed up to make sure Baker could heal right there in her community. That brought about some bold changes in the way the county is confronting its mental health crisis and made Baker a kind of test case for improving mental health care across rural California. To hear the documentary, tune in to the California Report magazine on this station or download the podcast. And that's our show for today. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. We are also remembering a dear colleague of ours who passed away this week. Penny Nelson is a familiar voice to so many of you. And we're going to let her say goodbye one last time. And that, my friends, is the California Report, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Penny Nelson. Have a great weekend. Here's a roundup of local arts and entertainment news. Sunday is World Poetry Day, and to celebrate, several Nevada County cafes are observing the custom of pay with a poem. Here's how it works. Compose an original poem of 30 words or less, or two haikus. Take a selfie with your poem, or a picture of your poem, and present it to a participating local cafe on Sunday to receive a free cup of coffee. You can also email the photo to poetry at nevadacountyarts.org to have it shared on social media. These Nevada County cafes are accepting poems for coffee on Sunday. In Grass Valley, Caroline's, Briarpatch Food Co-op, and Brewbakers. In Nevada City, you can pay with a poem at Three Forks, Miner's Foundry, and Java John's. Outdoors at the Miners Foundry Cultural Center in downtown Nevada City this weekend. On Saturday from 2 to 5 p.m., the duo known as Old Souls will celebrate St. Patrick's Day a few days late with moonshine-flavored traditional music featuring fiddle, banjo, and close harmonies. Masha and Jeff Crawford interweave Old with New, Appalachian with Irish, Kate Wolf with John Prine, and yes, there will be sing-alongs. On Sunday afternoon at the Foundry, enjoy the old-school, new-school, no-school music of DJ Silver Boombox from 2 to 5. The Center for the Arts in Grass Valley is offering an hour-long conversation with artist Leanne Brooke at 4 p.m. Saturday. In conversation with Leanne Brooke, Thoughts on Creativity will be available on Zoom and is free to members of the Center. 
The center is also offering a world music program and virtual youth choir free to students ages 5 to 12. This self-paced program requires no musical experience and explores the cultures of India, Mali, and Greece. It continues through May 30th and is sponsored by the California Arts Council. The Center for the Arts is also offering a new gyrokinesis movement class via Zoom from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Saturdays. Information on all of these programs is available at the Center's website. Saturday at 7.30 p.m. through Strings Concerts, Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas will celebrate their award-winning first album, Fire and Grace. This streaming event will be the third in a series of seven retrospective concerts, each dedicated to revisiting and updating their 20 years of recording and performing together. Find Strings Concerts on Facebook or at stringsconcerts.com. Hospitality House has announced on its website that its popular Empty Bowl event will be back in 2021 in a different format at a yet-to-be-determined date. In the past, Empty Bowl was a gathering of several hundred people. Local ceramics artists made and donated bowls. Guests redeemed their tickets for a bowl of their choice and filled it with soup donated by restaurants and community groups. The keepsake bowls were a reminder of how important a single serving of simple sustenance is for someone who is homeless and hungry. According to Hospitality House, Empty Bowl will move this year to local restaurants and will last for several weeks. Patrons will visit their selected restaurant to receive a meal served in an artisan bowl. Dates for the event have yet to be announced, but when they are, you'll hear it here. In the meantime, Hospitality House is looking for restaurants that want to participate and for business sponsors. Summer is on the horizon, and once again, parents will be searching for seasonal camp programs and activities for children and youth. For many years, the Nevada City Summer Camp and Activities Fair has connected parents with program vendors. The camp fair is designed for vendors to promote their programs and for parents to meet vendors and ask questions. In the past, vendors have had the chance to talk with as many as 300 potential campers. People who offer programs to any age children can register to reserve a spot at the fair, which will take place on May the 1st from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. in person at the picnic area of Pioneer Park in Nevada City. Summer camp and activity providers can find out more at the city's website, nevadacityca.gov, or by contacting the Nevada City Parks and Recreation Manager. In the regional weather forecast for the weekend, tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, cloudy with occasional rain showers and an overnight low of 36 degrees. Early showers possible Saturday with a high of 49 degrees and a low of 38. Clearing Saturday morning and partly cloudy for the rest of the day. Mainly sunny and warmer in Nevada City and Grass Valley on Sunday with a high of 58 and a low of 42. Sunny, warmer days expected to continue through next week. 
In Truckee, snow showers this evening, becoming partly cloudy later, with an overnight low of 22 degrees. Chance of snow tonight is 40%. Saturday in Truckee, partly sunny in the morning with increasing afternoon clouds, with a high of 38 degrees and a low of 16. Sunny skies and warmer weather expected in Truckee Sunday and continuing through the week with highs in the 40s and lows in the 20s. In Sacramento, mostly clear tonight with a low of 40 degrees. Partly cloudy Saturday with a high of 62 degrees and a low of 40. Sunny and warmer Sunday in Sacramento with a high of 68 and a low of 42. The forecast for the rest of the week in Sacramento is sunny with high temperatures near 70 and lows in the mid-40s. Next up, Naomi Cabral of the Interfaith Food Ministry talks with Keith Porter about food insecurity in Nevada County and how demand has soared in the past year. I'm Keith Porter with KVMR News, and I'm talking today with Naomi Cabral, who is with Interfaith Food Ministry. Naomi, welcome to KVMR. Thank you, Keith. It's a pleasure to be here to speak with you. So we last spoke in November, Naomi, and uh, you told us about how the Interfaith Food Ministry is one of the two major food sources for people in need of food support in Nevada County. That includes the Food Bank of Nevada County. But the two organizations work closely together to provide for needs for people in our area. So tell us a little bit about the history of uh, Interfaith Food Ministry. Again, it was an expression of the faith communities uh, in our areas. Interfaith Food Ministry began back in 1987 as a joint effort between just a handful of churches at that time who were feeding the hungry in the community, and it just became such a huge job that they needed to kind of separate from the handful of people who were doing it and really start an organization, and therefore more churches joined representatives of those churches. And so today, uh, we still have 16 representatives on our board of the different churches in our area who are supporting this mission. In Nevada County, western Nevada County to be exact, there there has always been, uh, from what I know in the last 10 years from the census that was taken, there has always been about a, a 10 to 14 percent uh, food insecurity uh, issue in the community. And so it's definitely something that has always been around. And, of course, with COVID, you can just imagine that that has increased. We just took the last census, so we'll see the numbers on what that is uh, soon. But um, personally, with, with ISM, we have seen a 40% increase just in, in last year in 2020. 40% increase. Wow. So do you have any feeling for, um, is that uh, tapering off? I mean, the, the COVID pandemic has changed. People have found ways to work, for example. Uh, you know, we, we were having uh, some success now with vaccination, so people are maybe getting back to work. Is, is that diminishing yet, or have you seen that um, impact change? Uh, well, we, it's, it's a little early to tell. Um, of course, the stimulus check was just issued, so we do expect some people to be doing a little bit better. Right. And, and um, we're, we're just taking it day by day right now. We, we are, um, you know, the big thing is family, families with children, too. You know, some, the schools haven't really gone back to normal. Um, and so we still have a lot of parents who 
have to work from home or had to step, uh, you know, back and, and take less hours so they can take care of their children at home. Right. And so that's one of right. the biggest growths that we've seen that definitely hasn't changed yet. And, and I speak from experience. I have a five-year-old myself who I have to uh, school from home while I work from home. And so fortunately, ISM, you know, gives me that ability to do that. So I, I'm just, as one of the parents who's out there, I know I know what's happening, and it's just really tough right now. So uh, mm-hmm. we definitely are helping families who are schooling their children from home. We're working with uh, other programs who are also uh, ramping up their efforts to, to feed families with children. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be out of the woods soon. Out of the woods won't change the uh, the the normal, presumably, which is, uh, you said, what, 15 or 16 percent of food insecurity in our county, our area? That's, that's correct. And so tell us about how, how do you uh, receive food? Is it donated? Uh, do you buy it because people donate funds? Well, these days, uh, as, uh, non- as ISM has developed as a nonprofit, we now can source food at a very uh, reasonable cost. Uh, in fact, it, it, it's really low cost. So as a food pantry, we get an amazing, um, you know, uh, wholesale prices on, on food from grocery stores, local grocery stores. A lot of it is donated. So a lot of food that we are able to get a really good price at, we get it also from um, a neighboring food bank in Roseville, which is a, a really big food bank that kind of supplies uh, all the smaller pantries and food banks in the area. And so they, they also are able to get uh, really amazing prizes for us. We uh, raise funds to buy the food mostly because even though we do have food drives with lots of partnerships and we love that effort, um, we know that uh, even with, like, let's say someone goes to the, to the store, you know, a soup, a, a canned soup costs anywhere from 3 to $5 these days. Expensive. We can get a soup for about a dollar. So you're actually helping more people if you just donate a, a few bucks. It goes a long way with us. Well, Naomi, it sounds like an amazing network of, uh, of folks that really care, that are seeing to this need and feeding the, the, the 14% that are, are kind of our normal food insecurity folks, plus another 40% or so during the pandemic. So how can the community help? How can people who really understand this need make a difference for you? Well, right now, we are actually in the middle of our match campaign. This is our biggest fundraiser of the year. And uh, our goal this year is $120,000. The the amazing thing is that half of that has already been pledged by a handful of very generous donors in our community who have agreed that they will put 60000 if the rest of the community can pull together 60000 with us. So we're asking everyone to please make a donation at this time through our, our website. Uh, all right, let's let's or let's you can mail let, it in. Let's tell folks that website. Absolutely. It's interfaithfoodministry.org there. Okay, so interfaithfoodministry.org. We estimate that this uh, amount of money will feed 8,000 people um, within the next 4 months. 8, so it will be put to use very soon. Naomi Cabral, Development Director, Interfaith Food Ministry. Thank you very much for joining us today and helping us better understand the needs that you're fulfilling. Thank you, Keith. Thank you for having me. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 630 
Re-listen to my 30-minute interview with retired Nevada County librarian Madeline Helling from two years ago, which originally aired on The Sages Among Us. Helling died earlier this week at the age of 95. And at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs at 6 p.m. every Monday through Friday. We welcome your opinions and a diversity of voices. Submit a commentary to news at kvmr.org. Commentary guidelines can be found at kvmr.org under the News section. Enjoy your weekend. See you Monday at 6 p.m. Thank you.